0: Good afternoon, good morning, good day, guten tag, bonjour. How else do you say it in French? Bonsoir. Bonsoir. Um, Yeah, we're uh, having a European podcast episode today from the punks. Uh, It's something really, really special. Um, I think I would truly say this is one of our, well, it's actually our second one. Second, well, it is actually our well, well, yeah, it is a rock star speaker, definitely. I would say, Mm
1: -hmm. um,
0: somebody we were planning um, and had an apartment for quite some time, and it's actually really great because, um, the topics we're going to get into is, um, something maybe people don't expect, huh?
2: Right, it is about agricultural um motivated interruptions of digital infrastructure <laughs> um, no i guess animal cruelty animal cruelty so trigger
0: warning here um, yeah um, i mean it gets quite interesting because so from a lot of so our guest is francois Steron and he is the cio but cio means in the case of ovh cloud that he is the chief industrial officer. And then a lot of people say, well, how come there's a chief industrial officer in OVH Cloud? And what a lot of people don't know, what he's going to tell you himself is that they've produced already over a million, which is quite a large number of own server racks, server units. And then, of course, you get a little bit into circular economy, which is our new favorite topic. And then... Are we giving away too much? And then about Gaia X. That's
2: it. Have fun. (laughs) Ciao.
0: (laughs) Okay. So, good afternoon, good morning, uh, bonjour. uh, hello, we gate. This is the Uptime Punks. It's another episode of ours, and today we have one of our, I would say, one of the highlight guests of this year. Um, we got Fr- François Steron with us from Ovh Cloud. Uh, hi, François. How are you? Hi, I'm
1: very well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks a lot.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a great, it's a great honor for us to have you here on the podcast. We were really looking forward to this. We said, okay, we need some rock star guests this year, and uh, you are one of the rock star guests for us. And um, I think we've got to speak about some really, really nice things, a bit about animals, a bit about uptime, and a bit about uh, data centers and water, yeah. <laughs> something like this. Um, but yeah, let's, let's get a bit started. Um, so we always ask the usual questions, which is like, okay, mm, what was your first mobile phone? So yeah. people can identify which generation you're in approximately.
1: Well, I remember exactly uh, when I was in the shop buying the first mobile phone. It was in Paris. It was in the year 2000. It was a brand that still exists, but kind of very confidential now, which is called Alcatel. It was a one touch. I still remember the color. And this morning I, I looked on the web of uh, how it looks. I didn't remember it was so bad actually, but uh, it was like a, this red uh, kind of color and yeah, um, the screen was just like a very, very small actually when you think about what's happening now. So it's been a good 20 years and it was just after I graduated from school. So yeah, you can kind of picture me where I am in terms of age now.
0: Okay. Wow. So this was your first experience then with um, IT, and and when you think
1: about that, well, computer... no, I had a computer before, and I know. Oh, I... you had a computer before a mobile phone. Okay, yeah, this was my next yeah, question. Yeah, what was happened, your first computer? That's, that's our generation. Uh, <laughs> I got a, a my first computers. Um, I I play with a, a Thomson To five at school, but my own computer was actually a an Amstrad CPC. Uh, 6128, and I think my generation will remember that. That was kind of the, where well, you can kind of code in a, a language that nobody knows anymore, which is called Basic. Uh, that was the name of the language, so definitely. So I, I got a computer before a mobile phone. That's our generation, definitely.
0: So, um, but uh, did you start coding because as a hobby, or did you start coding because of school, or like how did you get into IT? Like what was your first, like, I mean, we had some guys, they were like, Kids and then they decided to get rockets on the inline skates and now they're um cto's <laughs> of yeah. dell and uh, for you you're a cio of uh, ovh cloud and it's like you, you're the chief industrial officer and but how how did you find your path into tech
1: yeah i think that i, I always uh, had a a good um attraction for physics and like uh, you know all the electronics and lasers and, you know, electrons and that kind of things always got me uh, interested. And obviously computer science is, is a way to to, to to apply this as, as such a, a scale, right? And so definitely uh, definitely that. So got into IT a bit at school, but then really when I was like uh, 15, 17, like electricity and, and optics and lasers and electronics got me into it, definitely.
0: Oh wow! Okay, so um, and and you um, so you're from France. You're from north or the south? Which beautiful part of France you're from? Because France has this little, every part of France is a little bit different and has its own
1: beauty. Yeah, I think uh, when you when you're uh, abroad from France, it's all beautiful. Inside, we always have our own rivalries, right? So I'm actually from the very north of France. I live uh, probably like thirty minutes from the Belgian border uh, very nearly the city of Lille, actually, that's where I, I grew up. Um, and then I went to study in Paris, um, and then, you know, travel a bit around the world for work. And then I'm back in the north of France. Uh, and you know, for people in the south of France, north of France, it's always rainy and it's not so nice <laughs> and everything, but, um, but at least that's where OVH club kind of uh, was born actually. So I guess uh, that's where I came back. So. So it kind of, uh, the, the story goes full circle, right? Uh, I, I lived in California for five years, but then back to the north of France. Uh, if you had told me that, like when I was 20, I, I wouldn't have believed it, but yeah.
0: Because you were living the California dream, driving a Volkswagen bus and the surfboard and maybe programming some uh, com- uh, some robots on the side.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm not so much of a surfer to be honest, but... Uh, and uh, definitely, uh, w- I used to live in San Francisco, so I didn't even have a car actually. So everything was—we uh, had commuter bus and things. So uh, I-, I managed to live in the U.S. without a car, which I think it's a great uh, achievement, a unusual story. Yeah. that's great
0: um okay so uh, during lockdowns i mean you guys had a couple of lockdowns already um are me and tim were in the uk so with our second lockdown now we're in the middle of the second lockdown it doesn't look like it's coming to an end either uh, but this is a different story um everybody discovered somehow like uh, a COVID gadget during lockdown so for me it's i have like the Philips hue smart bulbs at home so i can change the light ambient anytime i want to just to get in a different mood um, have you discovered anything during lockdown where you're like, "Well, this is my this is my discovery during lockdown that kept my sanity."
1: Yeah, so actually, this is coming uh, because I decided to buy my own pinball machine, actually, and to deal with it, uh, you know, like flippers. Uh, as we say in French, we say "flipper," but uh, in the US, it's a pinball machine. And because I've always had this, uh, yeah, it would be great to buy to buy to to have yeah. one at home to. I know it's actually a lot of electronics and you can uh, you know uh, work on it and everything so I'll, I'll figure that out and so the order is i passed the order actually uh, i ordered it yesterday it will come uh before christmas so that's going to be my christmas lockdown kind of gift to spend time <laughs> on a on pinball machine definitely excellent
2: have you any modifications planned already? Yeah, probably. Like, I, I knew that the CTO of um, who was on the podcast like a couple of weeks ago. He said he actually put all of his uh, smart home uh, gadgets on uh, on uh, on the cloud, and then he built like an own. Uh, uh Kubernetes solution into it. It didn't work out in the end, I believe, so he was quite frustrated about it.
1: <laughs> but maybe well, you have
2: something similar plan.
1: No, I think I I, uh, I, I will see. I, I I don't have a plan. I you know I don't want to break it I need to play a little bit before breaking it. Maybe
0: we could ask in a couple of months. we we'll have you back here. We'll see how you got on with the pinball system. Maybe. Yeah. You,
1: uh, What's your well, best score anyway? Let, let me play before I, you know, if I get a good score, I'll be back and I'll be very proud. If not, if you don't hear from me, yeah, maybe I'm still practicing, I guess.
0: Or so. well, maybe better not to ask. Huh? <laughs> it's a painful moment then. <laughs> um, okay, so um, the, the podcast is called Uptime Punks. So we ask everybody, how you define uptime? What is uptime to you? Of course, for you, somebody coming from the cloud side, uptime is providing the perfect service to our clients at all times. Yes, everybody knows the one, but what is it for you? What How you define yeah. uptime?
1: And so I think, I mean, I, I, uh, when I think about uptime, it's like 100% and not having any downtime and being, uh, you know, building stuff that is so redundant that it never goes down. and. And even like it goes up to like, uh, when you look at your contract with a diesel um, uh, company that will kind of come and fill your tanks about uh, you know diesel generators in case of emergency, if you don't have any power, you think, are we just be after the hospital, right? That means we are important. That, so that's a more conventional um, uh, uptime definition for me. But then I always think about the reason for outage. What caused the outage? and. You know, thinking about this, there's always this common ani- common theme, which is animals. Actually, uh, <laughs> <laughs> outage, so always like the reason you get for outage. You always think it's like very complex systems that goes down da- that go down and so Very often, it's like down to earth, like you know, a fiber that kind of is not uh, is cut for various reason, or a, 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 an electrical transformer that that got out of service for a uh, uh, various reason. So. I've been in this industry for 15 years and the number of laughs we have about the, the reason for our day, it just uh, it goes on and on and on and we could it's always like we had a good laugh around a beer with colleagues very often about like who has uh, the weirdest reason for an outage like, so
0: what is the weirdest ones like top three let's say out of your head like top yeah, three
1: so where were like on fiber. the one I always like to quote is is uh, one in the US that uh, I yeah went through last uh, yeah 10 years ago it was like a uh, a farmer uh, burying his horse, so and he he dug <laughs> this uh, hole so so deep that he basically cut the fiber. And that kind of put this like a like a big like a, you know uh, a big link between two cities down, and then there was like significant slowdown on the internet in the city, right? So, uh, um, then when you think about uh, electrical stuff, it's always generally linked to uh, animals uh, lying on you know. Establishing like a, a a short circuit between two electrical wires that they shouldn't. So I remember a big uh, a big outage actually coming from a big transformer going down because um, yeah a cat kind of got on it on the biggest transformer the incoming transformer of the site he got fried instantly but then the transformer didn't quite like it either. <laughs> so yeah that's a, that's a true story and then um, yeah very often also mice. And you know, like heating, like a little kind of mm. copper stuff and everything, and that's uh, that's typically what uh, what happened. Uh, and and so yeah, it's 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 quite uh, it's quite interesting to read uh, to read uh, the what we call the uh, the, the reports uh, for outage. Uh, very yeah. uh, very interesting. Yeah. And, and yeah, but- unfortunately, you can't build any uh, any system to uh, to educate the, the cats not to go on a transformer, right? If, if you <laughs> Transformer, there's nothing we can do yeah it also,
2: um, it also kind of breaks with the myth that you know the internet is some uh highly educated or equipped uh guys yeah. in some and then you have center. tom and jerry who just yeah tom and
0: jerry they need to go and play yeah yes. <laughs>
2: <Okay. Right. laughs> yeah so but then the, the reason is so um is so simple basically and you wouldn't never think oh my netflix is not working because a cat is uh
0: just it, it, around the wrong it's place. actually
2: funny when we were thinking about a name for the podcast um one of the names was
0: um the double floor rats because you have rats living in the double floors of the data centers yeah. So we're like oh well, actually we could be like the rats that are in that floor you know like um <gasps> but uh, yeah people thought that wouldn't be very appealing so it was uptime yeah. punks um <laughs> maybe it's a little bit better so, so
2: we still kind of have this uh Rebe- rebellion going on. Yeah. By the way, there's big money in um, um, vermin removal in data centers. As far as I'm aware, it
0: is even some cases where you have deers, deers running into data centers, oh. and um, I mean, it's 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 a big thing out there, like pest control. And absolutely, well, Francois yeah. will know it. He will say, mm-hmm. "Well, no mouse is allowed allowed in my data center." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's but it did, then it comes in with human error because a person probably kept the door open for too long. And this is why animals were able to get inside.
1: Well, yeah. And uh, I think also uh, you yeah, the, you, for instance, uh, it's not just about that as we, we also had other things like uh, like frogs. we use, you know, water coolings and tanks. Uh, <laughs> and so initially uh, we got frogs into some of the water circuits uh, in one of our data centers. Uh, I, I mean, it's okay. Happy I mean, family. It, it works, <laughs> right? I mean, they, they they felt the the water was pretty warm, so they felt pretty happy with that. Actually, they felt it was a good environment and <laughs> like and a jacuzzi. Cool yeah. So they found a, a, a like a, a tank with like 30 degrees or 40 degrees water, <laughs> and so they you know they, they 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 went there it was a great time for
2: them uh, yeah I mean it speaks for the water quality that you use because the amphibians are, uh, are an indicator for healthy healthy water okay so, yeah we yeah, get we get so, uh, to the uh, water and the uh, French love frogs
0: problem. as well so uh. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it solves two problems but uh, yeah uh, yeah it's great um okay um well maybe we can I mean, um, as a chief industrial officer, what do you do on a day-to-day basis apart from dealing with rocks and water tanks and yes. uh, the cat sitting on a transformer so that Netflix doesn't work in France? Um,
1: uh, yeah, so, I mean, at Tobii cloud uh, the industrial uh, uh, department, what we do is we assemble our servers and we run our servers in our data center. So not a lot of people know, but we actually are... Um, um, have a factory in the north of France and a little, a little one in Canada as well, where we buy components like uh, processor, memories and everything. And we assemble them together. We put them uh, in, uh, in our own uh, racks. We test them in factory and we send them to our data centers. And this is why we call this industrial. In many companies, my role would be called infrastructure, like running the uh, data center, running the service. Here, we call it industrial because um, we really have this integrated approach where we assemble our servers, we test them as much as we can in our factories, and then when we send them to the data centers, we can connect them within a, you know, a day, for instance, and, and generate uh, uh, you know, services and revenue very uh, very quickly. And actually, we, um, we assemble around 100,000 servers a year in our factory wow. right now. And since the creation of OVH Cloud, Ovh uh, Cloud was created like uh, in 1999, a little before I bought my first mobile phone. Uh, in <laughs> so 20, year, 21 years ago, um, and since that uh, creation, we've produced more than a million servers. So we're in the millionaire club uh, that's what I like to say so,
0: so how, mu- how much power like how much like you can see it you probably have a screen where you see this is how much power we have yeah so the uh, big red button how much power do you guys have in well, it's, cloud it's,
1: it's intense and hundreds of megawatts that, uh, that we deal with right so this hmm. is equivalent of a of a small uh of of well, mid-sized cities actually data centers are quite uh quite powering hmm. and so we run that and sometimes people say, hey, you consume too much, you're like the big energy uh, hog of the, of the." but actually with cloud services, um, we've been able to replace like more scattered, distributed, um, l- largely less efficient data centers that enterprise and people had uh, on their premises, sometime at their home and everything with like, a, I would say, as a service type of infrastructure, where you can buy a virtualized environment, it's more efficient. And this is why actually there are like, there was a study showing that um, there, despite the fact that internet traffic has grown 12 times since 2010, for the last 10 years, the data center consumption worldwide has not really changed. Still remains around a little less than 1% of worldwide electricity. So my point uh, is to your question, yeah, those are heavy facilities that consume a lot, but they're actually there to replace a lot of smaller, less efficient facility. A little bit like a a bus, electric bus would be like a, a lot of individual cars, for instance. Um, so you shouldn't be afraid of seeing those large data centers. Actually, they're part of the solution to allow you know more services online in a, in a sustainable way. Actually. Yeah, it
0: comes, comes back to like um, how we like to define it as like data centers are the lungs of our society because
1: exactly.
0: um, there's a reason why we started the podcast because it was basically it's like all these hospitals running, COVID, all of these things happen. Everybody had to start working from home and people just switch on the TV, Netflix comes on or you have your Skype or Zoom or whatever it is. And all of this stuff runs through data centers and people just forget about the data center industry. If you tell somebody, hey, I work in the data center industry, they're like, you work in what? And it's like, this is this is where it comes into. And we see this ourselves as well in Frankfurt many times, that Frankfurt, I mean, data centers are popping up like mushrooms at the moment and where so and will be because of Brexit as well. And it's like, you just have this, I get it as well. You have the green parties in every country to say, oh, you guys are killing the environment and all of these things. But society nowadays even hospitals a doctor would not be able to treat a patient without using a data center at any given point of time because even when he looks up the files he's accessing it from a cloud and this is where people like you francois you you guys are actually i see you guys as like critical workers the same way um somebody else is taking care of it. and i think it's remarkable what you guys have done during this um
1: and actually pandemics uh, and
0: lockdowns because it's you guys who kept the countries running and uh economy. So, um, yeah, a big yeah, thank the,
1: you to us for that. That was interesting. Uh, during the, um, the first week of the lockdown in March, because a lot of companies were closing and we, we stayed up because I can't, you know, leave the data center on the weekend and, and switch off the lights and say, I'll be back on Monday. <laughs> that doesn't work like that, unfortunately. Right? So, uh, we adapted very quickly. I'm very proud of our team. They were in like, in the span of a week, we, we were able to, uh, organize ourselves, because even if it's computer mostly, they're also human to run those computers and to make sure that everything goes well. Um, and they were, we were able to organize in very resilient teams uh, to be able to anticipate if, if somebody get the COVID, uh, how we would do and everything. And we adapted super quickly. Uh, and I think the industry, for that reason, was also recognized as a, a critical industry, to your point. Uh, definitely was yeah. as a critical, uh, critical industry. Can you tell us a bit more
2: about the transition phase? I mean, you you you're responsible for the assembly of the servers, and I guess it works on a service level agreement with OVH, the mother company, or uh, I don't know the HQ as you want. Were the um, ordering books full within a, within a week? It's almost uh...
0: like circular economy because you were saying yeah, you're buying that's... components. So is it? You're buying components which were used before for maybe other things, and you're putting it together. So you're not always buying new things because this was a topic we were looking into last week as well. Which was yeah,
1: I, it sounds like you, you you discussed with Ali from IT Renew last yeah. week. If I'm correct. I saw that. Um, actually, uh, this is I, I'll come back on, on their initiative. We we discuss with them uh, a lot, and it's a great uh, it, it's a great company. Uh, and um, on our side, most of what we do are new servers. But what is interesting, we, we completely developed a, a reverse supply chain, as we say, where, you know, when a, a server is, uh, you know, after three four years, need a bit of refresh, for instance, we take it back from our data center back to our factory, we completely we call that knock it down, like we disassemble it, we test all the component and we reuse it for us. A server as a as a useful life for almost nine years, but in three times three years life, basically, you have the mm. first life which is like top of the heart. But then we can reuse them uh, for other application. For instance, uh, we can provide services uh, that is not with the latest hardware, but it's sufficient enough. So, for instance, like you could get a dedicated server for you at ten euros a month for student that starts. That's great, and that's that's how. That's how OVH uh,
2: Cloud started, right? I think yeah. he borrowed some money and and borrowed some servers like old ones and, and OVH Cloud was born. Well, so, uh, today
1: we, we recycle 100% of our components and we offer a second and third life. And we basically started doing this like a... Yeah, almost since the very beginning. And we did circular economy before it was even uh, a word, basically. Yeah, I was about to say
2: that what, what you guys do is circular economy, just on a s- small, within the business scale.
1: Yeah. And, and we do the same with uh, with our data center building as well. Um, not a lot of people know, but like uh, 80% of our buildings, like 35, uh, 25 of, of uh, 31 data centers, they're former industrial buildings. So for instance, in Germany, um, we bought this former uh, print uh, factory in near Frankfurt, 80 kilometers mm. out of Frankfurt, called, in, in a city called Limburg, um, because we use a system like water-cooled system. We don't use air conditioning in our data centers, which is good because it's efficient. Um, but we don't need like pristine, very nice building. Like a, some sometimes people think about data center as like a, you know white uh, labs or like white. a church. Yeah, very nice, kind of very pristine environment. Ours are more like uh, red bricks. And former <laughs> industrial building. I'm not kidding, right? And
2: uh, I like it. You're the hipster among the data center um, <laughs> operators. It's more like the vegan, the vegan <laughs> along d- the, yeah, the data center. Yeah, <laughs> I like <that>.
1: okay.
2: yeah <laughs> by the way, I mean, um, you guys announced to go carbon neutral by 2025. Um, so, a huge commitment, which we have seen from only like big hyperscalers um, yeah. to that day. So, um, what was the thought process behind that? How Because it's remarkable for a business on that scale to, to do this commitment. And uh, maybe you can tell us a bit more about yeah, the I think thought process and what you
1: are actually are doing to achieve this goal. I think the thought process was first, I think we start from a very good base. And if I continue on this circular economy thing, um, basically, when we look at our carbon footprint and we, we reported it the first time this year, um, you know, it's relatively low because uh, once we reuse server, we reuse buildings, so there is no uh, uh, carbon emission linked to that. We used to operate also um, in very low carbon grid, like France and, and Quebec with hydro and low carbon in, in France. Um, and so, um, and we, we feel also this is driven not only by environmental concern, but also business concern. And this is where it's very really important. We did all this circular economy uh, initiative initially because it made business sense, because we could resell a bit more the servers, right? And it was, uh, and then the environmental benefit comes with it. And this is where it's very powerful, right? Um, and then, so first, before being getting carbon neutral, we need to reduce our carbon emission. That's kind of the the drivers, and we have this obsession for efficiency and, and frugality, that. You know, we're pretty confident we will be able to reduce like almost ten percent every year our carbon footprint. Um, and then, what we'll we'll need at the end to uh, to compensate uh, for, we'll 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 enter into projects like a, a reforestation. But like in a very, uh, uh, we want to be a bit innovative, find the alternatives, right? And if there is any carbon capture project that could help, you know, go to carbon neutral even faster we will look into that. And I think if we want to, you know, reach a Paris um, climate agreement target, I think we have no choice, right? We, we have to act on this. I 100% agree. Um, how's it looking like in um,
2: the north of France? How is the um, environment condition over there? I know that France is running um, nuclear energy for large parts, which is carbon neutral, but obviously there's other problematics uh, titled but do you work with local authorities or government bodies or partners to kind of use um the environment because I was once in the north of France and I have the impression there's lots of potential perhaps for wind or water or tide energy or w- w- whatever it may be but Tide energy yeah would be. yeah, probably, yeah. Uh, you know the Atlantic coast in the north I mean you know perhaps better than I so is there and anything- do you get the
0: support that you want I mean sometimes with um some like the guys from australia chris a couple of weeks ago he was saying um he's one of the only people that said that he they get actually handshakes and claps on the back of the shoulder for building data centers which normally doesn't really happen yeah
2: right that. yeah um, so how, how is it looking over there in france are, are, are the it, there. It, it, uh French.
1: it's it's uh it was uh surprisingly a great um a great place to, to start uh this because availability of a lot of uh former industrial buildings um ability of a lot of um, uh, labor actually also. Uh, and we've been able to, uh, to recruit mostly locally as well and to reconvert like a, a region that unfortunately uh, was hit pretty hard um, last centuries. Um, Roubaix used to be the richest uh, city in France hundred years ago. Now it's the poorest because it was mostly textile. Everything uh, moved to, uh, uh, to foreign countries. Um, but, but we've been able uh, to, uh, to, 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 we should do more, obviously, right? Because we've been able to hire locally and to, to, re, to, to reconvert part of the, the labor force. So that that's good. Um, in terms of availability of networks and electricity, it's, it's great. It's in the middle of Europe, you know, from a latency perspective, you're very close from all the big capitals and you have a lot of, uh, fiber networks going through that region. So this is really the... The centers, um, and so and in terms also of, of uh, uh, yeah, France has a pretty low uh, carbon mix, which is uh, also good uh, uh, for uh, for for overall impact. Um, and we're also looking at how we can reuse the heat from our data centers with the local communities. I have to say it's a bit harder than in some other countries because district heating and everything that could benefit from the heat from the data center are not as developed yet but um they're looking into that um we shouldn't see that as a you know like the uh holy grail in terms of uh you know data center and environment but it's a possibility and we should look into it
2: okay so um where do i follow up here um as a chief industrial officer would you say I mean, you spoke about it briefly at the beginning. You said that there is an industrialization of IT going on. We often talk about how I mentioned it last week, with Ali. software, software, it's everything. But uh, what many don't know is that the infrastructure needed for that is actually on an industrial scale, like huge buildings, energy, um, material and stuff, and, and also knowledge. So. Do you think it is too pos- uh, too optimistic to say that data centers may be like some kind of a reindustrialization for certain structurally
1: weaker areas, like you just mentioned in the north of France? Um, yeah, I think I mean there's definitely um, um, an an interest that is growing, especially in this investment from uh, from countries actually, and we see it. They, they, there's definitely um, you know uh, a lot of uh, interest coming in in basically all European countries. Um, what sometimes is, is unclear to people is like, hey, how many jobs that creates? Um, and when you look at that, you should look at the overall ecosystem, right? Not just the, the pure facility. Uh, it develops like IT skill in the region. You have subcontractors. Uh, it's a good thing also to, to create uh, other ecosystem around that. It's not like a, 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 a car factory. That there will never be, right? So let's be transparent and honest here. It's a different type of uh, application. But what we see more and more is like, um, how does data center fit into the overall industrial uh, ecosystem of a, a local uh, a urban area, for instance. And you see more and more, there will be like very large data centers that might be not like in the, in the city. They might be in the middle of nowhere because they need land, they need like ample power, etc. cetera. Uh, and then you might have like what we call edge data center, which are closer to the users and I think what you'd see is like this—you uh, 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 know—this uh, combination of uh, core like hundreds of megawatt data center that would be basically very close to the power station because that's what makes sense. They need power, they put themselves near near the power station, and they need land. Uh, and then things that are more like uh, linked to what we're seeing coming, like uh, the all the five G usage. Um, When you need like a new type of IoT-driven requirement, like from cars and from things like this, where you would need something a bit closer, uh, and you'll have this, uh, you'll have like a like a big, you know, uh, core data centers that is complemented by edge data center a bit everywhere, and that edge data center will be able to interact also with other type of industry, like for instance, um, I don't know, maybe transportation and, and things like this smart home health
2: it's funny because
0: it. Uh, it was our first episode and um excuse my language but uh, we said back then it was like every shit pile is gonna have an edge data center in uh, in the world in 20 years because basically it's like if you look at well let's say take Germany for an example you um, I mean yes you have the Tesla cars and all of these self-driving vehicles I mean the amount of data they produce it needs to get stored somewhere and this will end up with petrol stations probably having then edge data centers where you when you charge your car or you maybe drive over some magnetic stripe or whatever it is data gets uploaded and it goes back to big like you said a big data center and i think it's, it's quite interesting because the, we're seeing a pattern here where everybody's somehow bringing the same kind of vision which you just said everybody's seeing it the same way so that, probably if uh, great minds think alike. So um, this is probably what we're going to see as reality in a couple of years. But I would like to get into the hottest topic, uh, which is happening in Europe at the moment, and um, which is Gaia X. Mm -hmm. And I know that you guys are some of the founding fathers. And um, maybe your views on it, um, which side of it you know about, because we had some people come and speak about from uh with oliver's coming and speaking about it from a legal point of view that it was like um now it's a in brussels it's an association uh, with no profit it has a legal entity now it's european um and i know from the french side that ovh cloud is the one who is really the f- driving force and um yeah i would like to hear what um you like to say about um the guy x project
1: yeah so i think this is a a very interesting moment that we're living where um, you know our People really um, now they they got um, they understand you know a lot more about the 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 worth of their data uh, and 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 what's happening and those global infrastructures and those kind of things and and they need um, they they need some framework and some uh, you know uh, reassurance and I don't think they're like a overly concerned about it, but they, they need to understand what's going on. And so the first uh, thing was in Europe, I think uh, the GDPR, which is uh, kind of this uh, wake up call on, the, yeah, we need to have a, the right uh, legi- like framework, um, yeah. set of standards, how we deal with the data. And I think some of uh, what happened uh, uh, with some of the social networks and how the data was used and some of the decision from the European court of justice also with transfer of data between Europe and us. Uh, well, yeah, it was kind of for people like, yeah. Um, I think we need to, you know, uh, give a put of, a, a kind of standards and, and, and right ways to do things. And also, I think also, um, they want to have the, the choice and they don't want to be locked in into a solution. They want to have the ability to, to get their data back and not be linked to a single providers. Uh, yeah. and i think uh having a kind of an environment that helps developing you know uh, standards to move from one provider to another but like within the respect of you know where your data is and what you know the provider can do with it um it's it's important i think guys uh, came from this a bit uh, idea that in in europe we need an alternative right we need them. Um, I think we recognize that you know solution coming from outside they are also really good they're very well designed the products are nice but we want to remain in control of our data right i think that's a, something that is um, uh, coming very strong and i think in, in germany in particular that's always been quite uh data privacy has always been a, a really big topic right and i think definitely germany has been the, the leading front for that uh and and therefore um, the, the uh, it was almost a. Uh, it's it's surprising that this kind of project didn't happen before but it's happening now it's uh based on you know transparency openness reversibility and that fits super well with our values uh, there's also you know our offenders is a is a, a polish family you know um coming from uh from poland in 1989 after kind of the uh, what all what happened with the communist regime over there so you know fr- and we have like a innovation for freedom in our, uh, in our, uh, in our motto. And so that's important that, um, uh, those kind of, uh, all those values, they really, uh, I think, you know, went really well with, uh, the, the principle of, of Gaia X and putting together a platform that would help, um, those values to be really kind of, uh, multiply. And, and we really see this, um, this uh, idea of uh, I need to trust my cloud providers coming. Mm-hmm. And I think we really need to, to give birth to really trusted cloud solution. Uh, we call that trusted cloud solution because uh, mm-hmm. um, and that's why for us, there is no trust is there's, there's no openness, no transparency and no reversibility. But when I say reversibility, you could take your your data whenever you, you want and you're not locked in. And, and I think uh, and I guess, you know, um, that's why we're very encouraged by all the progress. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a joint work with a lot of people. So that's why we need to get consensus and, and get this going uh, as any European initiative. And we know that a European initiative needs a, a bit of, uh, of work, uh, but I think we're really encouraged by the progress on this. And I think there's also a, a real political support for this, which is also important.
0: I think it's great. I mean, especially when um, I think Europe itself is going right now through some tough times with Brexit and all of these things. And I think it's great because it just shows that European sp- spirit of unity. Um, and that's why I think it's really great, especially between the French and the Germans. I mean, we don't really have the, the best history, I would say. Um, and
2: Water the, under the bridge. Water
0: under the bridge, yeah. Um, depends which side of the river is whose side, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it's really great because it's great to see all these. I mean, people like even like yourself coming together and trying to find a solution and a framework to, to really put something out there. And that's why for me and Tim, it's like, well, we run events, yes, and tech events, but for us, twenty one, it's Gaia X, and there's no debate about it because we want to even give everybody a platform to speak about it, and that's why. Yeah, I think it's really great. And like you're saying, people need to trust the cloud provider. And that's correct. And I think a lot of, yes, a lot of stupid mistakes might have happened in the past where data was stored somewhere. And then, OK, but you know what? You you need to learn and you only learn from mistakes. You don't learn yeah. from doing nothing.
1: And um, and and it's just that it's not simply a, a framework and a standard. We really want this to have also concrete solution and concrete services mm-hmm. to be provided, mm-hmm. right? And uh, for instance, the partnership we, we just announced with, uh, with the T system, uh, uh, in Germany is, is, uh, just, a uh, 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 this, this idea that, yeah, we will implement the standard that are, uh, uh and the framework of Gaia X. This will be part of, uh, you know, one of the concrete services that will be, you know, offered by the Gaia X initiative.
0: Ah, which I think is really good. So, if so for you, as a, um, does it bring you now with moving across Europe? I know you guys are also expanding quite um, fast. Um, you guys are doing, I think, some stuff out in Asia now. You're starting to do some stuff. Then um, Poland, you mentioned as well, yeah. which brings some challenges because of the CO2 emission.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- I, th- I think um, we expand, uh, we we. Th- I mean, we, we've expanded like in North America uh, 10 years ago with a facility in Canada to address uh, the North American market, but without being subject to the Cloud Act legislation. That also goes back to our uh, the importance of uh, a trusted solution for our customer, right? And, and not subject to, to some extraterritorial jurisdiction. Um, we've, we've expanded in Poland, as you say, in the UK, uh in poland indeed i think uh, we need to to really look at our energy procurement because they have unfortunately a very high carbon uh grid with a lot of coal and we clearly saw it right in our carbon footprint it, it went up quite significantly however this is a market where our products are really fitted so we need to figure out how we can provide supply that market with the, the right solution and apac also the you know, because of our range of different type of solution between uh, dedicated servers, um, uh, public cloud instances, virtual private service, and also um, hosted private cloud based on VMware, we have quite an extensive uh, different uh, set of solution for customers. So, so I mean, in in uh, in Asia, we, it's a different uh, continent, different business practice. Uh, we're growing okay. We're growing okay, and we, we're happy with that right let's
2: let's put the both together Gaia X energy efficiency um, the the whole circularity and, and carbon neutrality do, do you I think when you're gonna ask
0: him if he's planning a wooden data center like they're building one in yeah, Sweden <laughs> everything mega, uh,
2: no 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 let's stick with the red bricks I like that quite a lot no it's more about um besides cooling, which is obviously being proclaimed like the main um, factor where you could uh, make data centers more efficient. But I I think remembering you said there's more also on the software side.
1: Yeah, I think when you look at um, how to reduce your your footprint, um, you could look at your own self, you know, your own like your own and look at your platform and but I think uh, we reach a point where data centers are quite efficient already, especially, and they're, they're like, you know, power usage effectiveness for, for experts is like the ratio between the power you use for your server and the rest of the facility. And today, we only need like 10% overhead of electricity for to cool and to light the building and everything. which is, And so the physics uh, show that at some point, you, you're going to reach kind of the maximum efficiency you can get. Um, and so the question is, and data will continue to explode. I mean, the the new the need for data transmission and data storage uh, will continue to uh, to grow. Um, there will be obviously a debate about limiting this growth, about what we call digital subness. It's a pretty active debate with the five G in France, for instance. And maybe to to for users to consume a little less. Okay, we'll see that. But then before they, they can do that, we need to look at an area that has not really been looked at, which is uh, this, the energy efficiency of code and, and mm-hmm. the application. Because back to uh, what Paul was saying about uh, infrastructure versus software layers, the infrastructure guys have been looking at efficiency forever, like 15 years, 20 years. But on the IT side, I mean, when you start virtualizing, Well, if you have like 100 customers on a single CPU, who is consuming what? What's the (laughs) efficiency of a Kubernetes container? Um, Nobody knows that today. And you clearly have um, good coders and bad coders from that standpoint. Uh, And the first step is actually to try to measure that. You know, when you have a a cluster with several machines and you're running several uh, instances on it. Which instances is consuming what, and which one is efficient, which one is not efficient? Um, that's mm-hmm. something that if you if you if you talk to uh, most of application developers, they have no idea about. They have not necessarily a concern about. Um, and so, what you need to do first is uh, try to measure that. And this is actually what's developing quickly in the academics field. Like a lot of researcher are starting to look at efficiency of code. How do I do a, like a Software-defined power meter, for instance, that where I could tell each custo- each uh, virtual machine user, how much he consumes. And actually, um, there was a, a group doing that in France in a, in a research lab called Inria, which is the the computer science kind of research lab for, for France. And they have like a almost uh, between three and four thousand researchers just on computer science alone, but like applied applied research. And we've actually uh, uh, realized they were working on that, and but they don't have necessarily like real data; they like testing. So there was almost a dream partnership with us because we have the you know customer data, and they um, they can use uh, we can use the research on that. And I think this is where we want to go: is like instead of just looking at our data center hardware plumbing, what it, you know, very physical thing, it's like go up the layers and and give the information on um, what application, what they consume, depending on the language, depending on how the code is done. And this is our vision and how we embark the customer by telling them, okay, hey, you, you, um, you're consuming this amount. Uh, maybe if you were coding this way, you consume that amount. And maybe there's a way you could do uh, to reduce your environmental footprint without impacting your your, your application. And actually, what I'm, sh- I'm pretty sure we'll see is that generally efficiency, it's good for performance, it's good for consumption, it's good for everything. And well, it will drive people to be more efficient, not only on the consumption of energy, but also more performant and more uh, relevant in terms of their own application.
0: So basically, you guys want people to be more cautious about their their, their energy spending, which means, for example, let's say if I'm somebody that's sitting at home and I have my Netflix running all night while I'm actually sleeping, it's more like, um, hey, um, it's costing me one euro or one pound per hour. Maybe I should better switch off my TV. And this is the information which can be fed back to me by... Whether it's going to be my internet provider that is renting out the space with you guys in the data center,
1: it could be. Uh, yeah, and 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 then if you go also into how they design the system and the architecture of the overall uh, uh, application, uh, even before it reaches you, they could already do some uh, some progress on their own application development. Potentially, I don't know. It's it's really like a beginning of a journey on this. But my point is is. I think we, we got to a point where devices are relatively uh, uh, efficient. It's like washing machines uh, are all A++, basically, right? And nobody is buying a, you know, a washing machine with a C rating on energy efficiency. Now, what we're looking into is like make sure the user is not putting like a, uh, clean clothes like a 10 times a day into that machine. You know what I mean? It should be used in, uh, for, uh, you know, at its at max in terms of uh, workloads and everything
0: yeah this makes it this makes it quite interesting because it's like i i always say like and, and i think this is what you guys are doing really well is that you should always start from yourself preaching basically and it's like the discussion we had with ali last week which was actually it's the generations to come that we need to educate in order to get some with the energy efficiency because i think all of us were absolutely waste bins i mean if it's like um Keeping your Bluetooth headsets um, charging overnight while well, actually only takes half an hour to charge it. But then, shouldn't there be somehow a smart charger that just at some point would actually stop charging and then just switch off from the electricity socket? You would save energy there already? Or um, why do laptops have, yeah, they have a sleep function of 30 minutes where the screen goes off. But why you can use the webcam to see if somebody's actually looking at the screen? Why doesn't it switch off like that? And it's like, but coming back to the coding as well, because if you, Use something, then yeah. the software should recognize that you're uh, basically not there.
1: And also, you can use your, uh, your system longer before changing, uh, changing your TV or your mobile phone. I think what you realize as well is like the uh, when you look at a full life cycle assessment of the impact, uh, it's in the usage, but it's also mostly in the manufacturing and the construction of those devices. And if you use it a little bit better actually you avoid to produce more of those um and yeah i think that's more sustainable
0: so so do you see yourself like somebody that's um you i I see you as a person that's really behind this whole um get going more green carbon footprint not just work wise but do you also try to
1: live it on a day-to-day basis or i i try uh i have to say uh this, yeah, when, when you're like living in the family, you are, you have to do some compromise, you know, and uh, I can see sometimes my wife doing some stuff. I'm like, ah, oh, I wouldn't do that, but okay. All right. So, uh, but it's, you know, an iterative process. Right. And I think what's uh, important is our kids, right. Uh, you know, mm. um, it, the next generation, yeah, the next generation and kind of get them sensitive to that. And for us, it's almost too late, but they will be the, the defining uh, generation for that. And um, I see my kids already recycling, you know, all the plastics and everything. They are they are four and five years old and they're already doing it. And that's, uh, that's great. Actually, um, they learn very fast at that age and, and yeah. they, uh, they understand very quickly. And so I think, uh, I, I'm amazed at how, I think this is what we have to, uh, to do as well is make sure uh, the next uh, generation, uh, has a the uh, the right information and and coming back to this thing is like I got a, a comment from a one of my colleague one day I'm like hey I have my niece she's um, she's a vegan so it's great because you know for but then she keeps kind of sending those YouTube video all the time I'm not sure what the, <laughs> the net net effect of that and I think yeah you you summarize the real issue here because she doesn't have information on the YouTube stuff uh, well she's not she's, I mean, maybe if she knew what the impact of that, maybe she wouldn't do that much. Or that's, I think, where I think we have to collectively, as a as citizen and society, progress is give information so people can make the right decision. Then, you know, as um, uh, also, of course, electric cars are important, uh, but with, uh, with, it's important as well when you were saying, uh, you know, smart charger and everything. Let's not underestimate the footprint of the, the system itself to manage this. Because sometimes oh, yeah. manage a smart uh, system, you add you know some impact, and it has to be lower than the the saving, right? So, it's all about measure and calculation, and we need to be yeah. super sophisticated in carbon accounting, basically. That should be a new uh, discipline at school, like carbon accounting, basically. And... It's
0: it's it's the same what it's the same what Ali said uh, <laughs> in the last podcast where she was like, well, you know these guys from Tesla, yes, it's all nice and, and fancy, but um what are you going to do with this car in 20 years
1: right it's, the battery
0: the battery I mean this battery is it's like so um yeah um, This is a shout out again to Tesla guys if you want to come on the podcast we have some people ready for you Francois will be ready as well to speak to Tesla <laughs> Yeah,
2: I find it very interesting what you say about carbon accounting I think that's the expression you used uh, as, a, as a discipline I really hope that we all uh, will manage one day to 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 establish like such a discipline i would actually like to do it myself if yeah. i had the statistical knowledge um, that would be great in the future
0: cool. maybe in 10 15 years but this no, is daydreaming again yeah
1: it's today yeah. actually yeah. there's already um, more and more like sustainability curriculum in in in, in university and yeah. and i think uh, uh, we should uh, we should anchor it and accelerate this and And because, yeah, you start with understanding and and measuring and calculating. Uh, Otherwise, you just kind of, you know, you hear stuff, but you you kind of base your choice on on like potentially uh, misleading information as well.
0: Yeah, but I want you guys to imagine this one. This is where I I envision it now. So whoever from Apple, Garmin, or Polar who's listening to this, you know how you can see your, like, if you have a smartwatch, you can see how many steps you took, how healthy was your day, what you ate. Why don't you add a function, which is my daily carbon footprint? So, I mean, your phone can detect whether you're cycling into work, walking into work, or commuting by car. So this should be somehow able to estimate how much is your carbon footprint, and then... It would be like oh i had a 30-day streak of having almost no carbon footprint that would be a competition and that would be something you can actually put on instagram that would be something that probably motivates the 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 younger generations to start uh, blogging and posting about because it's probably more approachable than um like creators sitting on a train and going 36 hours from berlin to uh, hamburg and um yeah about it but let's
2: not get into politics no i mean i think you, what you say is right it's all about like incentivizing people and making it visible because the
0: human is like this the human species is i mean end so of the day end right? of the day the human species we're 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 animals ourselves we're like the cat that sits on the transformer right so it's like for us we, we just need a carrot in front of us and we start running behind it so if you go like oh you're going to get an incentive if you have a zero carbon footprint you're going to be the human and then you can see it already, like Macron is giving the French person with the least <laughs> common footprint of the year some some, <laughs> some leaf, <laughs> which is like, and uh, Merkel is giving also somebody, so I, mean, I could see it, it would be quite interesting, I think it would be funny, we're onto something here. Yeah, but,
2: yeah. Um, Long story short, I think uh, it was great seeing a a chief industrial officer having such a holistic view on on all the things. And uh, it was great. I hope that you uh, will manage to incentivize your uh, employees, uh, yourself, your kids, and perhaps even the cat on the transformer to do the right thing (laughs) one day. And uh, yeah.
0: I feel like we really did this. This was. it was exactly the Rockstar episode I was waiting for yeah. and this is why I'm very glad that we had to hear from sports <laughs> um yeah uh, the, the last word is always with um our guest and um the stage is yours if you want to leave a message for the generations to come um please feel free and
1: no I, uh, I mean I I, I I kind of like uh, you what you're thinking about like uh, uh, operational like the, the, the The ultimate uh, operational excellence is when you train uh, animals not to to deal with your uh, data center infrastructure. But this is like uh, you know this would be nice, but this is not that important to be honest. But uh, now I think um, what's uh, really key is to uh, to make sure we can continue to provide like the value-added services and the um, all what the um, the digital uh, you know transition enables. For all the sectors, right? Um, uh, but you know, in a sustainable way. And the way I think about this is, I I, I feel we are part of the tech sector, right? Um, relatively young sector. And if we can't, you know, continue this revolution of data and revolution of usage, um, if we can't do it in a sustainable way. I mean, who can, right? Um, I, I mean, we always blame the other legacy industry for not doing their part, but actually they have a, a tough job, right? And we like a relatively new industry. So that's why probably the, the, um, the responsibility is higher for us. And this is normal. It's just because this is our, uh, you know, uh, duty to provide solution, uh, and to provide innovation, new way of looking at things so well we can continue progress and, and make sure you know we don't end up like a, in those like a, in uh, movies where you see the end of the world and everything because of all those texts and everything so i think um it's important to uh, the sustainable development is is more is even truer for, for us i think and sometimes people don't see it right so yeah. So I don't know if it's inspiring or not, but uh, basically I think this is a collective responsibility we have from the tech industry and the data center industry in particular. And I feel pretty reassured because I, I have yet to find somebody that completely uh, go against that. I, I think generally people in our industry are pretty aware uh, and they, um, they, uh, we have a good alignment also between economy and ecology, which is important. Mm. Cause generally for us, green make business sense. And that's, uh, that's also key, right? Cause if it used to be like a green uh, was seen as a very expensive thing to do and everything. And actually no um, efficiency, ecology, economy all, all goes together.
0: Well, I, the thing is a green thing is so I'm because of lockdown and all these things. So I'm cycling this, this entire year I cycle to work instead of using the Train and the tubes and everything, and I must say it actually cost me more money to cycle to work than if I would have come in with public transport because I've done now till today I've done sixteen thousand kilometers on my bicycle, wow. where which means almost every month I have to take it for service and all of these things. Then you need new tires every three months, so adding up the math it is expensive to go green but you know what along the way also i got healthier and uh, get to see the beautiful side beautiful parks and you get to see some human beings even though we had locked out and uh, yes, yeah, nice but yeah francois it was really it was absolute great pleasure and honor to have you here and um well, we hope to have you back, and then we can talk about your pinball machine and all the <laughs>
1: oh, and all the, so, the so adjustments to you go, made. I to to train. Train. Okay, I got the. Uh-huh good pressure yeah. it's always good to have a, a carrot as you said right so yes
0: yeah it's like a carrot or, or um, um hopefully if we can run physical events next year I will, I will speak to your marketing people that they should bring a pinball machine on your stand and then uh, maybe we can have a competition about it
1: we actually have a. it's not a pinball it's arcade machine at work uh but you know our office are closed right now so i can't use those right but yes ah okay
0: we're working work in the
1: wrong company too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but okay um thank you very much and um i wish you all the best and keep a positive mind and um yeah yeah thanks for having me
1: it was a great uh, great great moment thank you thank you Merci.
0: wow um, François, yeah, the
2: the pinball master, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the. You know
0: what? You didn't ask him. Oh, the rising ball.
2: pinball master. The rising pinball. What question ma- did I forget?
0: No, I thought I wanted to know which pinball it is because you have like so many different theme ones like
2: Pirates of Caribbean, and. Yeah right. I mean, there's new ones coming out still, I guess, or uh, I don't know about it. It's it's a nerd topic, to be honest. I uh, think one, it's great. One no? of the nerd topics. I'm not so. Uh, aware about um i would love
0: to put florian and francois in a room and give them just a couple of like little tech things on the table uh florian if you hear this um this is yeah let's make this happen in frankfurt in december at the event or something um because i would love to see what you two could come up with when you guys pick each other's brains but I know
2: what my dream panel would be ali Finn, florian and, and Francois, and perhaps uh, our next guest <laughs> or one of our next guests, yeah. which we don't announce yet. Um, yeah, but
0: it comes quite, um, no, Ali, it's not the company you think, but it's something similar to that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So um, also from the Bay Area in the US, I believe. Yes. And that lady, um, all together on a panel at Data Center World. Let's see if we can make that happen. Well, of course, I think we should be able to. But um, yeah, um,
0: so we hope you guys really enjoyed this podcast. Um, Well, big shout out, of course,
2: to our listeners all over the world. Especially India. Oh, yes. You guys are great. I've seen the numbers rising. And, and
0: uh, I, I'm going to tell you guys something for our Indian listeners out there. Um, we're going to have some Indian guests. Are we? Yes, we're having some Indian guests. And I'm not going to give too much away, but... Um, there's going to be, you you guys know we're doing our monthly Asia edition and there's going to be an Asia edition with some guests from India. So, um, yes, we're going to, they're going even to Delhi or to Bombay. I'm not sure. But, yeah, you Indian fellowships, you guys out there, you're going to get the dose of the punks you need. Um, so, yeah, it's really great. So, um, we see the fan base is growing. You guys are subscribing. Um, the fan mails are coming in as well. Uh, I hope you guys didn't mind too much about the um, equity the in this podcast. It's not even funny. But for me, I just, when he was telling that story about the cat on the transformer, I imagined Tom and Jerry running around in a circle and Tom <laughs> getting stuck in the transformer. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was really great. And um, yeah, we have some highlights for you guys. So um, we're looking at 21. 21 um, is going to be for us, uh, the main topic is going to be Gaia X. So we hope to take you all on a journey with the podcast as well. So um, we're trying to bring some of the rockstar speakers from the events next year that are coming up onto the podcast, have them some conversations before or after the event to see how they feel about it, get some of their input. And if you feel like you're somebody in the industry and you want to have a place where you can raise your voice, definitely reach out to us. Um, you can find us on Uptime Punks, brackets official. You know, I just want us to look a little bit more. official. Uh, Or you reach out just to Tim and myself and um, feel free to be like, hey, guys, um, I would really like to come and speak. I have some interesting topics. Um, What I would love to see now is um, maybe if you work in the
2: environmental sector. Mm -hmm. Or do research about... renewable hardware energy recycling renewable energy the efficiency of code i think francois gave us some gave us some hints. Yeah, please uh,
0: reach out um, would love to have you on the podcast and yeah
2: i mean even if you're a student or uh have a professor that you know or whoever uh just get in touch and, and, and
0: i'm curious um what would you guys think about uptime punk like fanware I was thinking about like some t shirts or something, but you guys can let us know. Yeah, send us a message. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe do a little survey. But yeah, we wish you guys all a lovely weekend, a lovely day ahead, wherever you are, and whatever time zone you're listening to this, or whatever year it's going to be you're listening to this. This is episode 14. And keep a positive mind. And I hope you test negative. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.